thank you for joining me today on Are You Up Babes? And we have been looking at the power of prayer. We have been looking at how when we pray for someone, we sow a seed and we allow the kingdom of God to move in that person's life. We have been looking at how we need to believe and how we need to have faith. And the world says, I need to see first and then I will believe. Jesus says, believe first and then you will see. Isn't that really what all the great inventors did? They saw something inside of them in their mind's eye. There was this great invention. No one else could see it. No one else could understand it, but they could see it. And they would make the invention. They would bring what was inside of them into fruition. And I love the word fruition because as a church, we have been looking at the word fructify, which means to multiply, which is the blessing and the anointing of God over our lives for increase, to increase, to be fruitful, to bring rulership into this world. And how better to do it than to be praying for people, trusting the power of God to be in their lives. And the word fruition means this, the fulfillment of a plan or project, the fulfillment to actually see it come to pass. It also means the state or action of producing fruit and really that we are a force and there's this energy inside of us that God has placed there for us to multiply, for us to increase, that whatever we touch, whatever we do, not adds up, but multiplies, it increases. Now God says in his word, I will do exceedingly, abundantly, above, beyond anything you could imagine or think. Listen to how it's worded in the Passion Version in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. Now we need to say what will we accomplish? What is it this verse is talking about? It's talking about that original blessing on our lives, that we would be able to accomplish all that God has placed on the inside of us. Verse 17 of the same chapter, if we go back a little bit, tells us, it says, then by constantly using your faith, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Let's break that down a little bit so we can understand that. Firstly, it says that we have to be constantly using our faith, that it has to become a habit, that we are not pulled in the direction of our situation, our circumstances, the current affairs of this world the challenges, but we are pulled only by our faith. The promises of God stand firm. The word of God stands firm. And faith is believing in that which we cannot yet see, but we stand on our faith in God, that it becomes who we are. It becomes a way of our lives, of living. It becomes a habit. The second part is the life of Christ will be released deep inside of you. So there's this exchange that happens when we encounter God and we come to the cross. We come dead in our sin and we leave with life 
Jesus came to give us life and in all its fullness, in all its abundance. So the exchange at the cross is that we leave with his life on the inside of us. The old man is gone. The new man has come and it's been released deep inside of us. Firstly, for us, we have changed. But then it's released deep on the inside of us to change the world around us. So it's not just for us, but it's for other people too. So what does that mean? His peace is released firstly in our lives for us, that we used to live in fear and worry, and now we live in peace, and then that we can release that peace into the earth. His love in us and then for others. His signs and wonders. The Bible says that signs and wonders should follow us the way they follow Jesus. That his forgiveness for us, in us, and then for others. Why? Because we made that exchange at the cross of Jesus Christ. So we can come to the cross with our brokenness and we can leave there with the wholeness of Christ. You see, it's not just that we come to the cross and we lay down something and we walk away empty handed. That is not what Jesus did at the cross. It is that we come to the cross with our burden. We lay it down and we exchange through the blood of Jesus his victory, his wholeness, his healing, his provision, that we walk away without what we came with, without the burden of our sin, but we walk away with the victory of the blood of Jesus. And so if we come to the cross with curses, we walk away with victory. If we come to the cross with sickness, we walk away with healing. If we come to the cross with lack, we walk away with provision. If we come to the cross as an orphan, we walk away chosen, a son or daughter of the Most High God with identity, knowing that we are no longer rejected but accepted. It's the exchange that changes you. It is the exchange at the cross through the blood of Jesus as we access the blood and apply it in our lives. That's what changes us. And so we come to him and the verse says, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside of you and the resting place of his love. The resting place of his love will become the very source of your life. Now, let's look at that resting place. You know, I want you to imagine if you're running a race, you're exhausted. You can't catch your breath. You can't breathe anymore. You can't take another step. So you stop. You lean over. You put your hands on your knees as you bend over and you begin to just gulp in air. You begin to catch your breath. And as you catch your breath, it gives you strength enough to continue the race, to put one foot in front of the other. You have strength now to run and endure and persist, and you are able to finish the race because you rested. And this is exactly what the verse is saying, that if we find our resting place in his love, we are able to catch our breath. We are able to endure that we have strength to continue. God wants us to rest in his love. How do we give love if we haven't first rested in his love? And so it's that we catch our breath and he wants us to rest in the place of his love, which will become the very source and root of our life. It is the source of our life. It's the root through which 
Our life comes from. It is the source. It is his love. And so that very source, what he is saying is his love was displayed at the cross of Jesus Christ. God made a way, a righteous, holy God made a way to get back to a sinful people through the cross of Jesus Christ. He made a way to be back in relationship with us so that we would no longer be separated from a father's love. He made a way so that his love could become our very source of life. His love, that place where we can rest in. And that everything that we would ever, 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 ever need is absolute and complete at the cross of Jesus Christ. People are not your source. God is. I need to say that again, because for many of us, we sit and think, if this person would help me, if this person would only know me, if I could go to this person, if this institution could help me, then I would be fine. No, God is our only source. God is our source, not people. You know, when Jesus was raised from the dead, He appeared to his disciples. Some of his disciples were together and he appeared to them. And they were so excited after seeing him. And they happened to meet Thomas, the other disciple, who was not with them. And they told him, Thomas, do you know that Jesus appeared to us? And you know what Thomas's answer was? He said, I don't believe it. Unless I see the holes in his hands from the nails and the hole in his side that I can put my hand in, I won't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. You see, Thomas's belief system was in what he could see. His whole belief system was rested on a place of what he could see. We're going to battle to pray for people If our belief system rests on what we can see, we are going to battle to believe God for ourselves in our lives, the prayers we are praying. If our belief system rests on what we can see, we have to stand firm and we have to stand firm in faith because there will be a day of adversity. There will be a day of difficulty, a day of challenges, a day where we have to catch our breath and rest in God's love and stand firm in his word, stand firm in faith. And so what happens is a week later, a week later, the disciples are all gathered together in a house and Thomas is with them. And the Bible says, and the doors were locked. Now, when you read the Bible and it says that, don't just take for granted that they locked the doors because we locked the doors because we live in a time of crime. The Bible is very specific. There was a reason they locked the doors. Firstly, there was fear. They were in a time of unknown. They were in a time of adversity. Jesus, who was their leader, had just been crucified. And they were full of fear. They didn't know who was coming after them. The doors were locked, which also means no one could just sneak in or walk in. But suddenly amongst them, Jesus is there. And Jesus looks at Thomas and he says to Thomas, see my hands, Thomas. Put your hand in my side. See the hole in my side. Put your hand there. And then he says, he rebukes Thomas and says to him, stop doubting and believe. 
While Thomas, he sees Jesus, he sees the hole in his hands, the hole in his side, and he responds in absolute worship and goes, my Lord and God, he was in absolute worship. And Jesus says to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and believe. You don't see the result yet but you believe. You see, that's what it is when we trust God with all of our hearts. We may not see the result yet, but we believe. We may not see the healing yet, but we believe. We may not see the provision yet, but we believe. We may not see the answer or the solution yet, but we believe. We may not see the spouse we've been believing God for yet, but we believe. We may not have the job yet, but we believe. There's a beautiful story of a little girl. Her name is Jamie and her father owned a farm and they always would keep the little calves that were born of the cows and she loved them. She loved the little calves. She loved to play with the little calves. But there came a point where the dad sat them down and said, we're no longer going to keep the calves. We're going to sell them in order to make money on the farm. And so Jamie had to learn that all the little calves that were born were not going to be kept. But there was a particular cow and she loved this cow. And she said to her dad, this cow had become pregnant. And she said to her dad, please, please, daddy, please, please, can we keep the calf that is born from this cow? And he said to her, I told you, Jamie, that we are not going to keep the calves anymore. I'm going to be selling them or giving them away. But she persisted. She begged him. She pleaded. She continued to ask. She, I love this, she began to wear her daddy down with her pleading. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that how we should come to God? That we wear down our father with our pleading, with our begging, with our asking. I love that. One day her father came to her and he said to her, all right, Jamie, we'll make a deal. If this calf is black, we can keep the calf. But if the calf is brown or spotted like all the other cows, we are not going to keep this calf. So she said, no problem, that's a deal, daddy. But what her dad didn't know was that from that night, she began to pray to God every night. And she would say to God, please God, let this calf be pure black. Let this calf not look like the other cows. And please God, let my daddy have no doubt that this calf belongs to me. You see, little Jamie began to pray radical prayers. Isn't that beautiful? I think God loves radical prayers. God loves persistent prayers. God loves when we come to him and we plead and we ask and we beg and we ask and it wears him down. And I say that in a positive manner, not a negative manner. I think you know what I'm getting at, that we come and we ask him because he's our daddy. Well, a few weeks later, the cow gave birth to a calf. And the calf was black in color. And just so that no one would doubt that this calf belonged to Jamie, this calf had the letter J. It was like Jesus was saying, from Jesus to Jamie. I love that. I love that that is radical, persistent prayer. 
You see, Jesus said, have faith like a child. That means there's no doubting. That means there's no questioning. And that means there is no unbelief. And I want to say to you, I am preaching to myself just as much as I'm preaching to you. God is ministering and speaking to me about this just as much as I'm sharing this with you. God wants us to be radical when we pray. My husband shared in the sermon on Sunday about the Apostle Paul, who was originally Saul. It was a phenomenal message. I really would encourage you to go back and look on Active TV and you would get the story of the Apostle Paul in more detail. But basically, he was a religious man. He loved God. He knew all the laws and he was fervent about worshipping God. But he had heard about a new sect, a new sect called Christianity, where the people were worshipping Jesus Christ, and he did not like this. He began to persecute and throw the Christians in jail and kill them, have them killed. And there was a believer. His name was Stephen. He was a powerful man. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Saul had heard about him. The Apostle Paul, before becoming Paul, his name was Saul. And he had heard about him. And he was hunting down Christians. And he was with the men who stoned Stephen to death. He held their jackets while they were stoning him. Remember, he was religious. And while he stood there, he believed he was righteous in his religiosity. And as they killed Stephen, he stood there. You know, the Bible tells us Jesus is seated at the right-hand side of the Father. And as Stephen is being stoned to death and he's actually dying, the Bible says his face began to shine, shine brightly as he saw the glory of God. And he lifted his eyes towards heaven and said, I see the throne of God and I see Jesus standing next to the Father. Now, the Bible tells us Jesus is seated at the right-hand side of the Father. But yes, Stephen is saying he sees Jesus standing at the right-hand side of the Father. You know, I believe Jesus stood up out of his throne and began to applaud Stephen as he was being persecuted for his faith. And as Stephen was dying, he prays a prayer and he says, Father, do not hold this sin against them. As these men were throwing the stones, the rocks at him, and he was dying, he prays a prayer that God would not hold this sin against them. The Bible goes on to tell us that Saul, who was involved in this, holding the jackets, goes on to Damascus. And while he's walking, there is this bright light that blinds him. Jesus is in this bright light. And he says to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul says, who are you, Lord? He recognizes Jesus, but he's coming to the cross now. And there's an exchange that has to take place as he encounters Jesus. And he's told he's blinded by the light and he's told to go and wait on Jesus and someone's going to pray for him. And in this quietness, he's now in this darkness, in this blindness, he's encountering Jesus. And the Bible says when he's prayed for scales fall from his eyes, physical scales fall from his blind eyes and he can see. 
And Saul is renamed the Apostle Paul. He becomes Paul. There's an exchange. The dead man, Saul at the cross of Jesus Christ, becomes a new creation, Paul, a new man in Christ. You know, I wonder who prayed for Saul that he would have an encounter that would change his life. Stephen prayed for Saul. Stephen said, Father, do not hold this sin against him. Can you imagine the faith that Stephen prayed with as he prayed for Saul and the men stoning him? What what faith? He sowed a seed. He planted a seed and allowed the power of heaven to be upon the seed as he was being killed. And then he died. He never got to see Saul change into Paul. He died. But the power of heaven was on that prayer. And that's exactly what we're doing when we pray for people. We have to believe that the power of heaven is anointing and doing a work. As we sow that seed, we may not see what will grow, but it will come to fruition as we have prayed it. That is the power of God. And you know, we've been doing this for a couple of weeks, but even as we've been doing this, the Holy Spirit has convicted me and been speaking to me. And I shared even last week about that. Do you believe? Do you believe in the power of prayer? You know, sometimes it's so much easier to believe God for other people than for ourselves. We can be praying for other people and truly believe the power of God for healing over them. And, you know, maybe you've prayed for someone for healing and they didn't get healed. They died. I want to encourage you, don't ever stop praying for people. Because when we pray for people for healing and we don't see that on this earth, it doesn't mean nothing took place because what we don't see is their ultimate healing as they stepped into heaven to be with the Lord. And so we must never ever think that our prayers do not have the power of heaven over them. We must be faithful in planting that seed and allowing God to work a phenomenal miracle in that person's life. And so I really want to encourage you, continue to be praying for people. Don't be fearful. You'll be amazed when you say to someone, can I pray with you? Their marriage is not working, they're fighting, and you say, can I pray with you? And maybe thinking, I don't know what to pray. You pray and you say, Lord, I lift up this person's marriage. Lord, I know in your word that marriage was made of you. Marriage was created of you. Father, bless their marriage. Father, bring healing into their marriage. Father, restore them in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, I didn't pray anything fancy. We just prayed for the healing and the restoration in that marriage. Maybe someone's child is on drugs and as they're telling you their heart is broken, you can ask God to heal that son or daughter of the addiction, that God would work a miracle, that they would have an experience at the cross, that that addiction would be broken in the name of Jesus. And then you allow the power of heaven to work in that prayer. It's not on us. It's all 
on heaven. It's all on the cross of Jesus. And one drop of the blood of Jesus is more powerful than anything. So we can trust God. We do not need to be fearful, but we just need to be bold in our prayers. And remember, consistent in our faith, that faith is the habit. It is the comfort zone. I want to close off with Mark chapter 8. It's beautiful. It says, when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus. And they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man and led him by the hand out of the village. Interesting. You know, the village is the place of comfort. The village is the place where everyone knows you. The village is a place where people have unbelief. There is no faith. It could be a place where there is a lack of faith, a comfort zone. Jesus takes him by the hand and leads him away from that place where there is a lack of faith. And he spits on the man's eyes. Then he lays his hands on him and asks, can you see anything now? And the man looked around and he said, I see people, but I can't see them clearly. Now you need to understand when Jesus healed people, he would say to them, your sin is forgiven. And the religious leaders, the Pharisees would say, blasphemy, who do you think you are to say that only God can forgive sin? And then Jesus would say to them, well, to prove that I am the son of man, pick up your mat and walk or you are healed and the person would be healed. But this time Jesus does something differently. He leads him away from familiarity, from a lack of faith. The village is a symbol of familiarity. He leads him away from that. He spits in his eyes and then he lays his hand on him and says, can you see anything? And the man says, I see people, but I don't see them clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored. The scales had gone. He was a new creation right there. The healing had taken place on every level, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, every level. His sight was completely restored and he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. Don't go back into the old places of comfort. Don't go back to a place of unbelief. Don't go back to a place of arguments or doubt, but have faith like a child, believe and go straight home. Don't go back into a place where people can talk you out of your miracle, where there is a comfort zone. Don't go back there. And that is a word of encouragement for us that we don't go back to a place of unbelief because we don't see the miracle. We need to trust just as we trust when we put a seed into the ground that something is happening. Actually, it's a miracle that something is happening while we move on with our lives, while we move on with continuing to work for Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you to continue to pray for people, pray with them, pray for them. When we're praying on our own, we need to lift them up and we need to understand that it is a seed, that we are planting a seed into the ground and we can't see what's happening, but it is a miracle. And the power of heaven is over that seed and will bring a miracle. And so I hope you are encouraged as God and his word speaks to us that we would be strong in faith. Let's pray together. 
Father, we come to you, Lord. We lift up ourselves to you and ask you, Father, that we would stand firm and we would stand firm in faith, that we would not doubt, but that we would believe, even though we do not see, our faith would be strong. Father, I pray for boldness, that as we pray for people, simple prayers, but prayers trusting for your miracle, for your power over their lives, that their lives would change, that their their families would change, that their challenges and situations would be taken away because of your miracle in their life and that they would have a testimony of how you change them through the power of prayer. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be persistent. You would help us to come to you with radical prayers, trusting you and believing you for your goodness. We love you, Father, and we thank you for your mercy over our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, let the scales fall from people's eyes. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May God bless you. I want you to go and find someone today that you can pray for. Let's do this. Amen. Amen.